Hello and welcome to episode 2 of Library Game Night, a podcast promoting tabletop gaming in the hushed halls of the library. My name is Wade Osborne and I hope to make that byline, uh, more than a byline, make it a reality by encouraging gaming events and game collections in libraries through the influence of library staffers, library t- librarian types, and through the initiative of library users, the people who don't work there, but who maybe frequent there. I'm coming to you, as always, from inside the library, the only, in my opinion, legitimate place to record a library-related podcast. And as always, I have a board game with me, a real-life board game here. And this combination of being in a library with uh, a board game with me is uh, one way to reinforce the true mission of this podcast, and that is to have a, a, a almost a perfect balance between board games and libraries. And that's what I want the focus to always be on. And and so, uh, coming to you from inside the library, we're all closed. We have a snow day today. Uh, so, I'm here all by myself, uh, not having to disturb any of the uh, customers or anything, which is great. And I uh, have a game with me which is, is a part of uh, an every episode uh, contest. It is a mystery game, which means I won't be sharing with you the name of the game, at least not intentionally. And uh, along the way, at, at three intervals, I will interrupt what we're talking about, and I'll share with you uh, a clue about this game. And the first person who can figure out what this game is and send me an email saying this is the game and and do it correctly uh, will receive a $10 gift uh, certificate sort of thing, voucher sort of thing uh, with Amazon. And as I've said before, that's where I tend to get all of my games through Amazon, if you're like me, uh, you do as well, and that $10 could, you know, uh, go a long way to buying uh, some games anyway. So it, it, it could be more, but it, it, it's something, and I think it's going to keep uh, the fun in this podcast each week, and or each month, I should say. So I, I uh, be on the listen for this. Uh, if I do this right, it, it won't be uh, evident what this game is until probably clue number three, but uh, let's start with clue number one. Short and sweet, it has a pirate theme, okay? Now, I forgot to mention that uh, all of the games I choose to bring with me and and uh, to make a part of this contest will be what I consider a library-friendly game. In other words, if you see someone... Uh, coming into the library, maybe with a few friends. Okay, now, that those big groups sometimes uh, freak librarians out. I understand that. But uh, suppose you see three or four people coming in, and, and uh, instead of books or whatever, they have a game with them. So you know they're probably going to sit down somewhere and break out this game. And I'm convinced that if you saw the group bringing in this game, 
you'd be okay with it. You wouldn't think, hey, 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 guys, let's let's uh, let's let's try some other game, or maybe you should go uh, somewhere else to play this. Uh, not here at the library. I think this game would be a, a good fit for libraries. You know, it wouldn't disturb too many people. Um, and uh, anyway, I just want to throw that out there. It's kind of like a, a, an every month bonus clue. Uh, right off the bat, you know, I'm not going to be uh, highlighting most party games. You know, not Pit, not Telestrations or uh, wits and wagers or whatever. Uh, so anyway, clue number one, a pirate theme. One of the things that I am going through right now and wrestling with as a librarian and a, a library director is whether or not our library, my library, should get into the gaming business. We've been doing We've been holding library gaming nights for several years, and they've been going fairly well. But having a a board game collection is a whole different animal, in my opinion. And I, I have no stats to back this up, but my guess is a lot of libraries are they have the the uh, occasional. A gaming event, but they don't have a collection, especially one that that is a, a circulating collection, uh, games that can actually be checked out and and leave the library for a week or two. So, I uh, want the early episodes of this podcast to focus on what I'm calling a journey, a journey from no games in the library. Uh, in in the form of a collection to a collection of you know a small to medium size you know let's say 15 20 games okay now if you can imagine a librarian or a library staff just just having the notion that hey maybe a, a gaming collection would would work well here just it's just it's just a, a brainstorming piece of info on a piece of paper it's just a, a thought in the back of someone's mind there's no reality uh, to it, uh, nothing you get your hands on anyway. It's just a notion. So how does a library go from that, just having the notion, to having games on the shelf, uh, labels on the boxes, uh, they're in the system, catalog in some form or fashion, ready to be checked out? That's the journey I want us to focus on for you know, several months here, just several episodes. And since this is only episode two, we haven't got into this uh, yet. And so we, we are at ground zero. We are at what I would call the why stage. W-H-Y question mark. The why stage. The motivation stage. Why should a library staff, with whatever influence they have, uh, they're in control of the budget, they're in control of decisions that are made, why should a library do anything with that notion and take the next step? Uh, that's what I'd, you know, why even bother, in other words, with that idea? Why not just stick with the occasional event? So much easier, uh, you know, to do that. Why get into the board game collection business? That's, what's, that's the focus of this episode. And, and in a more specific way, 
the focus is not on libraries in general. As I shared with you, episode one, I I won't do anything in an intentional way to to focus on school libraries. Although I think that there there would be a good fit for games uh, and gaming there. My focus will be on two types of libraries, uh, and that is public and academic. I'm a part of an academic library collection or uh, uh, library, and so. That's where my heart is, but I know some of my listeners may, in fact, a lot of them may be public librarian types. So I, I will uh, often devote a, a podcast episode to just one or the other uh, when it's appropriate. I think this is appropriate right now. I think the why question, especially the answers to the why question, may be slightly different. Uh, I'm no expert, but I'm just assuming that they might be a little different when, when dealing with with a public versus an academic setting. And I really think as an academic uh, librarian that some of the answers that public libraries might come up with regarding the why could be helpful to me. And that's why I'm bothering going over it um, selfishly uh, for, for my sake and, and maybe for the, the other academic libraries in the uh, listening audience. And of course, you public librarians, I hope you will... Um, uh, appreciate this as well. So that's going to be the focus. Uh, I would say not public specific, but certainly not academic focus uh, per se. And, and and I'll say more about that here in a little bit. I don't have any interviews set up uh, like I hoped. I hope to do that uh, eventually, you know, record a good video via Skype or something like that and, and, and incorporate that into uh, the podcast. So my voice isn't the only one you're hearing. Uh, which I, if I was listening to myself, I would I would want uh, to hear some other voices. But uh, I'll, I'll do that from time to time. I hope uh, for this episode, though, I had some correspondence with a couple of a few uh, librarians out there, public librarians. Uh, two of the three uh, had some uh, helpful enough comments for me to share, and so I, I want to let their voices be heard. And then I'd like to share a couple of other voices that aren't a product of any kind of conversation I had with them, uh, email or otherwise. Um, More about that in a minute. So I'm just going to, all we're going to do, nice and simple, we're uh, going to work our way through these four voices, uh, letting four different people, groups, help us answer this question. You know, the why question. Why a board game lending collection in the library? And we'll be done. Okay. I want to start with a conversation I had with a librarian at a public library in Oregon. She shared with me some really helpful comments about why their library uh, went down the board gaming collection road. I want to share that with you. Um, of course, some of the questions I asked her were uh, pretty straightforward. You know, why, uh, way back when you were trying to decide whether to do this, did you decide to go through with it? She started her comments the way we all should start them, I think. And that's why I wanted to start with this voice, because she brings up within the first three words of her response. She says, our uh, strategic plan at the time, dot, dot, dot. 
And that, of course, the key phrase there is strategic plan. I really appreciate the way she starts with what their mission was, what their goals were, and 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 then try to figure out whether games, uh, not the events in this case, but the collections, how the collection might fit into that strategic plan. You can never forget about the strategic plan or the mission of your library. Uh, my guess is there are some people who are big-time gamers who happen to work in libraries, and they might want to start a, a, a gaming collection because they love games. And they, they're they pretty sure that other people would love games too. And, and the reason why they want, they're wanting to start one, perhaps, is because they like games. And they just want to share that love with others. But see, that has nothing to do with the mission of the library. Uh, has very little to do, if anything, with the strategic plan of a library. You know what? I'll be honest. I'm a big-time gamer. And that's where I'm coming from. But I don't want that to be the why we're starting a, a, a gaming collection here. I want. I, I know there are better reasons for that. I want to take myself out of the equation and focus on the mission of the library, the strategic plan we may have, and then figure out whether games are a good fit uh, under that umbrella, or uh, whether they keep it, are in keeping with our uh, strategic plan. So I really appreciate the, this focus um, on the strategic plan or mission. They had this library had three main goals at that time: create young readers. Uh, secondly, lifelong learning was a big time goal, and then lastly, they had a goal. That is, uh, I guess, summarized by new and popular materials. Okay, and this librarian felt that a board game collection directly supported each of these goals. Now, I like that. So, I want to I want to deal very briefly with each of those three. She was convinced that, or they were, that a board game collection, not just an event, but a, a collection, uh, helped create young readers. And I've heard other people say that, you know, to uh, when you couple the fun aspect of a game with the uh, necessity of uh, to read, you know, instructions, rules, cards, whatever, you, you're you're kind of um, in a uh, uh, well, not a, not just a subtle way, but you're kind of um, promoting reading and literacy, um, especially with with those who are young. Um, because you know, there are a lot of games for young the youngins out there, um, and they're picking up on words, uh, phrases, uh, and and just reading in general by interacting with these games simply because they have to. And I like that they're 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 more fun than than most books, uh, maybe in their mind. And um, so I, I, I like that. Now I. One reason I don't focus, I'm not, I'm choosing not to focus on video game options in this podcast is because I think uh, the tabletop options would definitely be a, a, a better uh, support sort of program for things like this. This is, well, anyway, I'm not going to get started on video games right now, although there's some good ones out there. So create young readers, great motivation here. Um, lifelong learning. 
lifelong learning. That means when a person, to me, that means when a person's done with school and all the assignments are done, nobody's, no, no teachers are assigning papers, projects, research, uh, you're still wanting to learn. You still have a love of learning, still want to keep doing it. This person in this library was convinced that board games can do that. Lifelong learning. That's an interesting one. I feel like I could chew on that uh, for a little bit. You know, of course, uh, some games will be uh, a better fit for that than others, which uh, will, I think, dovetail nicely in a couple of episodes into the discussion about what games would be a, a good uh, complement to these particular strategies. Because some games just, in my opinion, wouldn't. They're so mindless, pretty much. They might not do much in the way of lifelong learning. But I, I appreciate her sharing this, too. And then last but not least, this is a no-brainer. New and popular materials. You know, our library uh, here is an academic library. But why do we have People Weekly on the shelf or Sports Illustrated? Is it, is it, is it for uh, academic support? No, it's just for some leisure um, uh it's just to provide our constituents with a, a nice leisure time activity. You know, when, you, when, you, when, uh, when you've studied for several hours and you want to turn your brain off for a little bit, or you only have 20 minutes to kill before go, moving on to something else, before class, whatever, you just want to pick something up to flip through it and not have to, uh, you know, again, use your brain too much um, to, to deal with it. Um, it, new, popular, it's just, would you want to break uh, the budget for that kind of stuff? No, we're, we're probably talking about something that's very supplemental um, to other things. But we have popular fiction for the same reason. Um, it, we're not uh, saying that, that these items are going to uh, make Einsteins out of anybody. Um, they're just a, a good, clean, fun, slash popular uh, sort of option. And so uh, I appreciate that, too. Board games would definitely fit into that um, realm. And that's all I want to do with, with uh, uh, this public library from um, Oregon. Really appreciate those comments that that librarian had to share. So before moving on to... Voice number two, mystery game clue number two, um, would best be summed up this way. This is a, a clue reg regarding the one of the game mechanics. In this game, you push people, you pull people, and you're liable, very liable, to get wet eventually. Uh, that is, your, your meeples will get wet eventually. You push people, you pull people, and you're very liable to get wet. And of course, that goes with clue number one, which it's a pirate theme game. Stay tuned for clue number three. The next voice I would like to share with you is from a, uh, a librarian who works at a free library. Um, it's in Illinois. I don't know if some regions and just prefer the free label versus uh, or over public. But anyway, 
um, I think we all uh, get the idea. This is a person who who inherited a board gaming collection where she is, so she didn't start it. So she had to rely on some notes that were uh, left uh, by her predecessor when when they were trying to decide on uh, a board game collection. And I think some of these notes were probably shared with, who knows, it could have been a committee who was in charge of uh, budget, it could have been a board of some sort. But anyway, some really good comments here um, that uh, have some overlap with what we just heard, but, but I think some, some new stuff too. One of the big whys for this library, this free library, was they thought a board gaming collection would create new patrons from non-users. What about that? I, I think that that's something that could be said about a lot of things we do in libraries. Um, and, you know, a lot of the things uh, we've done are, are, are getting sort of old. Most of us have been in the video business for quite a while, for example. Um, that's, 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 there's nothing new and too exciting there. Everyone kind of expects that, expects that from us. But what about board games? Might board games bring in some new patrons? Um, might they bring in some people who don't uh, visit the library? I, th I definitely think so. And of course that would depend on your community and how many people there might be like that maybe, but uh, I definitely like the sound of that. And of course uh, the dot 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 after that is, hey, they come in for their board games, and maybe that's it initially, but maybe there's some serendipity that happens too. Some They, they discover some other things about the library. They become um, big-time supporters of the library in general, and don't we all want more of those? So I love that. Why create something like a board game collection? Because you might create new patrons, and who knows what might happen uh, with that. Another thing mentioned by this librarian that wasn't mentioned by the, the previous one is um, with a board game collection, their library could encourage more face-to-face -face interaction among patrons. And she goes on to say, by doing so, they could buck the trend of digital isolation. And I really like, I love the sound of that. This is a library that says, hey, we need to be uh, a beacon in our community that encourages face-to-face -face interaction. You know, let, get away from your iPads, your computers, your PlayStations, etc., all the video games, um, that even, and encourage, even uh, if you're playing along with someone, it's not face-to-face -to -face too much. You, you each have your own console, you're staring at a screen, whatever. That's not face-to-face. -face. I don't care who you are. I don't think you can convince me of that. But, but board games, um, so many of them are wonderful when it comes to just encouraging face-to-face -face interaction. Conversations can happen in the middle of board games. Um, uh, bucking the trend of digital isolation uh, is, is, is a, should be uh, on all of our radars when it comes um, to uh, the mission of the library. And it's interesting because for so long we've been known for our books 
and you know 90% of the books in my library would be the type of books that would be read alone right you're not reading out loud to anybody you're reading them by yourself it's a very uh, solo activity which does anything but uh, promote face-to-face -face interaction so this is kind of a I think a neat trend we're getting away from the uh, the solo experience the individualistic kind of experience of, of book reading which I think is, the, the timing is perfect, you know, uh, more and more libraries have cafes, which are all about the social um, aspects of our mission, and uh, uh, more and more libraries uh, are getting away from the hushed uh, environment that we were known for uh, decades ago, uh, which uh, definitely encourages interaction, and uh I realize that there are some books. Uh, you know, yesterday I spent uh, an hour almost reading a book uh, to a couple of children of mine, and books definitely can foster interaction when it comes to the kids and everything like that. But you know, most of them are so isolationist. Um, but see, board games can help uh, uh, in a supplemental way, a complementary, whichever word you choose, to to. Uh, um, really flesh out and expand what uh, libraries can do uh, in our communities. And I, I, I love that. I love that aspect. This is a librarian that says, hey, that's that's a big deal. That face-to-face -face interaction thing is something we feel strongly about. And I think as human beings, we ought to feel strongly about it. That's kind of how we were made and wired to be social beings. And I think board gaming definitely helps um, with that in a big way. And if you you know, I don't. You don't need to hear me say that, but I appreciate that. These next two voices are uh, not a result, a direct result of any kind of interaction I had or conversation I had with uh, these folks. Uh, one would represent some reading I did uh, in prep for this, and another would just represent a, a uh, some voices I heard via a webinar, a recent webinar, and I'd like to share those voices with you too. Let's start with the book, though, a book by maybe someone who's well-known, his name is well-known in, in uh, our circles, Scott Nicholson. He's a, a Syracuse professor, information uh, science uh, areas, I believe, spent a lot of his research career on uh, gaming, uh, and has written a book at least one book that I'm aware of, and you may be too, called Everyone Plays at the Library. And uh, he's a professor type, and yet he definitely has a finger on the pulse of what's going on uh, outside of the ivory tower, you know, in, in public libraries and, and, and all over. And he has a little section early in his book uh, where he asks the question, what does gaming have to do with the library? And in that uh, section, he does make the comment that I've already emphasized a little. He says it's important that gaming support a library's mission. And he states the obvious. You know, a gaming, uh, gaming would take away resources from other library activities. You know, unless, unless uh, all your games are being donated or something, um, that is going to be the case probably. And so with that in mind, you know, you've got to s s seriously think through 
the whole mission and strategic focus of your library. But then he goes on to say that uh, with, through various surveys he's done, um, through his uh, library game lab at Syracuse, which sounds very in intriguing, uh, he's found that libraries have uh, uh, among the goals that they have for bringing games into the library. Um, these are the three most popular. One, libraries bring game programs into the library because games are used to attract undeserved, underserved, sorry, populations. Games are used to attract underserved populations. And uh, I think that would go hand in hand with the whole uh, creating new patrons thing. You know, the under, underserved population would, I think, uh, imply that these people aren't even coming to the library, probably because of the, that underserving aspect. And so um, libraries are using gaming programs to do that. Uh, secondly, games are an additional service for groups already using the library. So you got these people, they're coming in, they're getting their books, they're getting their videos, they're already fans of the library. This is a, a nice added bonus, an added perk, and uh, it's going to create uh, even more buzz, more good feeling among those people. I imagine that's what this is all about, and so all good, all good stuff here. And lastly, games provide an opportunity for members of a library community to interact socially with each other, thus improving the library's role as a community hub. Now, uh, I don't know what any, any of y'all think when you hear that phrase, community hub. Uh, my guess is the people who wouldn't like the sound of that might not be the ones who would uh, even give this podcast uh, the time of day uh, in any way. Uh, but most of us are probably uh, much more comfortable with this idea than we once were. You know, Do we like the sound of more bodies being in the library? Uh, more activity, more volume, uh, noise, uh, all of that. Um, I think we do, right? We want the, the library to be a vital part of the community. We don't want the uh, people to forget that we're there. We want community leaders to, to to hear when they're in the grocery store about how great the library is. And maybe that those words will come from a, just a, a regular user, you know, not a librarian type. And uh, we, we want the buzz. We want people to, uh, to remember us. We want to be uh, a part of the community's maybe every every week activity sort of thing, you know, um, and so I, I, I and I, I this interacting socially aspect was already mentioned by another voice, you know. There are other potential interactions, I suppose, but uh, the social one is is a big one, you know. Uh, I think that's a business we need to be getting into now. I know. Uh, the library I'm a part of recently redid our mission statement w w long before we had any uh, notions of board gaming stuff. But uh, a word that made it into our mission statement was the word community, which 
wouldn't be out of the norm for a public library, for an academic one, I think it might be. And I, I really am excited about the potential there to um, uh, create a space for the community. And uh, a lot of that wouldn't involve academics. Uh, I understand that. It would involve hanging out. It would involve face-to-face. -face. It would involve talking, uh, visiting, and things like that. Things that would be a better fit, uh, at least traditionally, uh, in a student-centered sort of uh, setting. But anyway, uh, we're getting more and more comfortable with that. I feel like that's in this uh, bowling alone um, world we live in now. Uh, that social aspect is so important. I think that pendulum needs to swing back definitely in that direction. We can have a part, uh, play a part in that. Last voice is uh, from a couple of people who, as luck would have it, conducted a an OCLC Web Junction webinar only a few days ago. It's very end of February. 2015. John Pappas and Martha Fjorst both have public library backgrounds, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they held a webinar called um, Gold, The Golden Age of Gaming, Board Games for Grown-Ups. And I want to share briefly, they shared some stuff that uh, I want to save for future uh, episodes, but for the why question, they they said they said this: um, gaming in the libraries can promote a culture of positive interaction. You know, I guess the focus here is on the positive part. Um, you know, what what's not positive about uh, tabletop games and the interaction uh, that they promote? I mean, I guess you could say they're overly competitive, maybe um, too cutthroat. I don't know. Uh, I don't think mo most games are, are like that, though, but it's a positive thing. In a, in a world where there's a lot of not positive interaction going on between people, we can be uh, a safe haven for that positive interaction uh, through our board games. Another big why for them was uh, multi-generational. Multi and, uh, you know, we have older people playing games with younger and that doesn't happen a lot anymore. You know, the interaction tends to be limited uh, to folks in your uh, peer group. You know, 15-year-olds hang out with other 15-year-olds. 40-year-olds uh, hang out with other 40-year-olds. 70-year-olds uh, hang out with other 70-year-olds. Uh, in, in, you know, six days out of seven, 364 days out of a year, whatever. Uh, through gaming programs, we get that multi-generational thing going on. And I, I've seen some of that even in the game nights we've, we've had here. Uh, but letting a family check out a board game and they take it home, you just know. You don't have to be in the living room to know what's going on. We'll have dads, moms, and, and, and brothers, sisters, whatever, maybe a grandma or so, uh, playing games. We want more of that, don't we? Uh talk about positive interaction, that multi-generational aspect is one that hadn't been brought up yet. I love it. Um, another why reason, there are two more. One is thought-provoking. Uh, games are certainly thought-provoking. Uh, that's why we have books. 
on our shelves because they're thought-provoking. Uh, we all know if we play games, they are thought-provoking too. Um, and so, yeah, great fit for what we're already doing, but with other formats. And last but not least, creativity. I'm assuming what they mean is uh, uh, gaming uh, programs can promote creativity. And boy, thank goodness we have so many ge- good games for that these days. You know, uh, we're, we're way past the Monopoly days, the Yahtzee days when it was all about Uno and things like that. It's, uh, you know, we have we have games that are just through the roof when it comes to creativity. And uh, you play some of those, you loan some of those games out, let people play with them at home. Um, that that can't, that is certainly not going to to let people stay where they are when it comes to creativity. It's going it uh, is certainly going to promote that and grow that in the in the minds and hearts of people who are playing them. So I love that. One more run through of those. Uh, promote a culture of positive interaction. They're multi generational. They're thought provoking and. Uh, creativity is sparked uh, by these uh, games and these programs. So, uh, I would love to know if there's something that was not covered here that you uh, are already thinking through. Uh, Those of you who have already gone down this road a little bit. I'd love to know what kind of serendipitous things you've seen uh, happening with your game collection. Uh, you know, may, And all I mean by that is maybe you set out to, do a, to have a gaming collection for, for reason A, but then you, and, and that, that may have uh, come to fruition, but maybe you've also seen some other things. Maybe you have a B and a C reason now that you never saw coming, but yet it's great, and you want to do more of it because of that. And maybe you want to encourage uh, other libraries to get on board because of those uh, B and C reasons, too. Uh, would you mind emailing me, you know, your thoughts related to that? Librarygamenight at gmail.com. You know, I should have shared that earlier when we were going over our mystery game clues. I'm not sure if I did. But uh, speaking of that, uh, our our last clue for our mystery game Remember, if you're the first to say, hey, I know what this is, and you email me, uh, you'll get this Amazon uh, gift card uh, thing, and uh, librarygamenight at gmail.com. Uh, we, we've had a pirate theme clue. We've had a push people, pull people. You'll probably get wet clue. And then clue number three is, you in this game, you often, all the time, have to anticipate three moves in advance and you have to commit to those three moves before you even take one move so you often have to anticipate three moves ahead and commit to those three moves in that order before taking move number one so those are the clues um rack your brain a bit um ask your friends maybe but uh, as soon as you figure it out, send me that email, librarygamenight at gmail.com. If you like this show, please help um, 
me promote it by liking us on Facebook, Library Game Night Podcast on Facebook. We're on iTunes, of course. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Lib Game Night. Lib Game Night. Uh, that's all we have uh, time for in this episode. Stay tuned for episode number three, where when we will hopefully deal with all of this same stuff through the academic library lens. And I'm, I'm anticipating some overlap, but then hopefully some new um, things. Maybe we haven't thought through just yet. And that'll be mainly for the sake of us who are in uh, academic library circles. Thank you so much for joining me here for this podcast known simply as Library Game Night. Hope to see you next month.